God, we, we just come, and even as Mel and the team pointed us to you in this way earlier, Lord, we just, again, want to just be reminded that we're here for you because we need you. We're not here to check a box. We're not here out of duty. Lord, we're here because you have decreed that is good for us to gather together, to remember you, to know you, to hear your word. And Father, as James says, not merely be hearers, but doers of that word. And so, Father, all of the things that are going on in our lives in this room, Father, we know that you know every single thing that's going on in our heads and our hearts. Everything we've done, everything we've said, everything we're thinking. And Father, even as we sung, Lord, we've confessed with our mouths already that you are worthy of our worship. And so, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would soften our hearts and give us ears to hear your word, but not just to hear it, but Lord, that it would transform us, Lord, into more of the image of your son, Jesus. Father, thank you for Alan and his love for you and your word. Be with him as he brings us your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, Grace Hill. Good morning. Evan, it always weirds me out when you walk off the stage while praying. Because then I come out and I don't know where you are. Anyway, just wanted to call that out. Good to see you guys this morning. My name's Alan. I'm one of the, uh, the pastors here at Grace Hill Church. And if you're new with us this morning, uh, just really glad you're here. And uh, I really hope and pray this morning that you get to encounter uh, the Lord and his compassion for you this morning. I pray that for all of us this morning as we open his word and think about what he has for us uh, this morning. You know, um, last Wednesday, uh, I was at community group, at my group, led by the Smalls, and uh, we were studying... Angus, was that you? Okay, all right. Oh, it was Sean. Even more shocking, okay. Let me reset a little bit here. It is a fantastic community group, by the way. Uh, We are in group together, and we're studying Ephesians. So I know some of you guys in your groups are studying Ephesians now. Some of you still might be in season one, which is sharing our stories together. So you'll eventually get to studying Ephesians. And so we're in Ephesians chapter one, and we're towards the end of the chapter. And and Paul teaches on this thing, and he, he talks about how Jesus is the head of the church. So think head, right? And that the church itself, you and me, we're the the body. And, you know, I don't think we're to think really too deeply about that analogy. I think what Paul is saying is like, Jesus is the head and we're the body. We're the hands and feet, right? We're the ones that Jesus, through whom Jesus does his work in this world through us, the the church and his his body. And so we're talking about this at group. And we're kind of talking about, or maybe even lamenting a little bit, this, this reality of like how... How well is the church, like Big C Church, all of the church, not just Grace Hill, how well is the church doing at being the body of Jesus in the world? Like, how well is the church doing at being the hands and feet of Jesus, displaying Christ to the world, that when the world looks upon the church, they see Jesus and they see his character as displayed in the Gospels, and we were, we were kind of talking about how, actually, 
I, I know this is true for me, I somewhat feel discouraged when I think about that. Because I think so many of our neighbors, and I know as I talk to people who don't know Christ, so many of them have kind of a bitter or sour taste in their mouth when it comes to the church. And that really was, I think, the genesis or the catalyst of the sermon series that we are still in called Formed. And this is a 10-week sermon series that is really asking the question is, what does it mean for the character of Christ to be formed in us? And the catalyst behind this series really was this just deep desire, I think, that we as Grace Hill, as the body of Christ here in Herndon, Virginia, that we would display Christ well to our neighbors, to our coworkers around our town and asking the question, what does that even look like? And so as we continue in this series, we have done uh, seven weeks of it so far. So we've got three more weeks left. We'll finish it out over the next three weeks. And over those first seven, we've really just been working through is, okay, how is the character of Christ formed in us? What, what is Christ doing in us to form this in us? And as I was thinking about how to recap that for us to kind of get us back into this, this series, we've taken a break over the last two weeks, I, I came up with a definition for Christ-like character. Like if I was going to put a definition on it, just a really simple statement, how would I describe Christ-like character. Here's the definition I came up with, which is this. When our inner being is at rest under the compassion and lordship of Christ. When our inner being is at rest under the compassion and lordship of Christ. So when I use the word inner being... Uh, the Bible actually uses this word both in the Old and New Testaments. You see inner being, you see inner man, you see inward parts, you see secret heart. All of these phrases are, are the same, old and new, and it's kind of this way of describing the stuff that's going on inside of us. So that kind of emotional, inward, deep part of us that, that feels things. Right, our motivations, our deepest thoughts and desires, right? That's our inner being. That's our inward parts according to the scriptures. And it's the part of us that may or may not be displayed on the exterior of ourselves. And so Christ-like character flows from our inner being. Because we take our inner being into every space that we go into. Right, so there are lots of spaces that we enter into as people, right? Our homes, church, workplace, neighborhoods, you know, whatever it is, coffee shop. We, we enter into a lot of spaces, and based off the people that are around us, we might change what's on the exterior. We might change how we present ourselves to other people. Maybe you're a little different at the workplace than you are here at Grace Hill on Sunday mornings than you are in your home at night. I, I'm not sure, but we take our inner being in all of those places, and our character flows out of our inner being. And so I'm saying, okay, Christ-like character is when our inner being is at rest under the compassion of Christ. And so what I mean by the compassion of Christ is this, this deep belief that Jesus Christ feels compassion towards me. And that compassion has caused him 
to step into this world, experience what we experience, take upon himself my sin, go to the cross to take the penalty for my sin, give me his righteousness, and then begin a work of healing and redemption in me. And so Jesus is going to say, okay, I'm going to take all of the ways in which you are complicit in the fallenness and brokenness of this world, the way in which you contribute to the sinfulness of this world, and I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to forgive you on the cross, but now I'm going to start to root this out of you because I love you. That's, that's my motivation. It's compassion. I've already secured your future. And so I want to root out. Like, I, I see you in that addiction. And I'm, I'm here to, let's go. Let's beat this. I'm here to sanctify you. I see you in that anger. I see you in that frustration and bitterness. I see you in that idolatry. And I want to come alongside of you and redeem and make things new. And so when we're at rest under his compassion, what begins to happen is we go, okay, God. I'm willing to open myself up to this. I'm willing to confess where there's sin because Jesus, I know you're compassionate. You've gone to the cross and now you're doing this work in me. I'm willing to walk this road with you. We also know that in Jesus' compassion, he wants to heal us from the ways in which we've been battered in this world. I see you in that hurt. I see you in what has gone on inside of you because of what other people have done, and I'm here to heal and help you. And so we go, okay, God, I'm at rest under your compassion, so I'm willing to explore those things. Here we go. I'm at rest under it. But also, it's not just his compassion. It's also being at rest under his lordship. Like, Jesus, I see, I, I, I believe you are creator. You are God. You made me. You made this world. You have given us your word. You are wiser. You are more knowledgeable than I am. You know how everything works. I don't know how everything works. And so when you give me your word, I'm going to submit myself under it. Even though sometimes I have a hard time understanding, God, why you're doing this or doing that or made that decision or given this law, sometimes I don't always understand, but I'm at rest under your lordship because I trust you. So it's when our inner being is at rest under his compassion and his lordship. And here's what that creates in us, this character where there's a firmness, a settledness in Jesus, in his word, in who he is, and how he calls us to live. And yet there's a gentleness, a patience, a kindness that is built because we are recipients of his compassion. It's kind of firm in God's word, yet soft in our hearts, gentle, kind, caring, because we're at rest under his lordship. And when we are not at rest under either of these things, then worldly character gets built and developed inside of us. When we are not rest under these things, we, we begin to not display Christ-like character to the world around us. And, and real quick, I just want to give some examples of how we see that in the church today. I have three ways in which I think actually the church can defame Christ because we are not at rest under these things. So we see this a lot in the church. There are many in the church, churches and stuff like that, who accept the lordship of Christ. They're at rest under his lordship, but 
They are not at rest under his compassion. Right? These are churches that really pride themselves on being unwavering when it comes to the word of God. Really pride themselves of we're going to go upstream against the culture on everything God says. Churches that pride themselves on displaying how God's ways are different than the culture. But what begins to happen is because they're not resting under his compassion. That compassion doesn't flow from God through them to their neighbors. And they become very angry at the world. Angry that the world is doing something different. Angry that the world is living counter to the ways of God. They become very judgmental of their neighbors, unkind to people, because they're not at rest under the compassion of Christ, yet they champion the lordship of Christ. They allow themselves to put on a different character than Christ would have. Right? Scriptures like 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 and following Paul says, and the Lord's servant, listen to this, this is very clear, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. What do, we, what do we see here? We see Paul saying, hey, when we encounter the world, we, we do so with gentleness. We do so with patience. Because that's the character of Christ. And that is exactly what Christ has done for us. He has, in his compassion, been patient and gentle with us, right? And so, when we accept the lordship but not the compassion, we give ourselves permission to be harsh with the world and our neighbors. And it defames the name of Christ. Other example could be we have a lot of churches out there that accept the compassion. They're at rest under the compassion of Christ, but not his lordship. These are churches that want to reserve for themselves the right to change things that God has said in his word. These are churches that want to reserve themselves the right to alter the truth that God has been so clear in that want to kind of go along with the culture in the areas that the culture is going. And so they champion compassion. They're gentle. They're patient. They, they want to welcome all, but won't champion the lordship of Christ, that he is creator, that, that he knows better than us, that everything he's given us has been for our good and our joy. And so when God says things on, uh, when, it, when he instructs us on things like sexuality or marriage or gender or desires of the flesh or idolatry or the exclusivity of Jesus unto salvation or the sufficiency of his word, they give themselves permission to disregard Disregard scriptures like Isaiah 5 that says, Woe to you who call good evil and call evil good. Woe to you who call bitter sweet and sweet bitter. Woe to you who think you are wise in your own eyes. Because we've championed the compassion of Christ, but not his lordship. Last example that I have real quick. This actually I think is more common I think this is very, this could be very common within our church. Actually, I think all of us at some point in our journey following Jesus, if you follow Christ, probably have been in a season like this. 
And that's when Christians dismiss the inner being. When Christians dismiss the inner being, we can live lives with such full calendars. We're just going from thing to thing to thing to thing, and we insert into that life, I'm going to church, and I'm reading my Bible, and I'm serving, and I'm doing this, but I've got so much that I I never carve out the time or space or even see the need to ask God, what is the state of my inner being? God, God, where are you growing me? God, where might I not be displaying the character of Christ to my family, to my coworkers, to my brothers and sisters in Christ? God, where are you pushing, stretching in your compassion? Where am I not accepting your lordship? We, we, we don't create an importance around evaluating the inner being and then opening it up for God to do work. We dismiss it altogether. And when we do that, what begins to happen is we'll read the Bible and we'll be completely unaware that it is talking straight to us. We'll read the Bible and and we might think of other people that would be encouraged or challenged by the passage. We'll read the Bible and we might be really fascinated by the, the facts in the Bible and the storyline and understanding the, the, all of the complexities of the text, but we will be completely unaware where God in his compassion is seeking to grow, challenge, encourage our inner being. And when that happens, we give ourselves permission not to grow in Christ-like character. We might be completely unaware of the ways in which Christ is seeking to grow us. Definition of Christ-like character, when our inner being is at rest under the compassion and the lordship of Christ. That's my intro. That was a long intro, which means I have a short message today. (laughs) Seriously. But I wanted to give all of that because I want to ask why. Why does God want to build this in us? Why is it so important that we would be at rest under the compassion and the lordship of Christ. And the reason is critical, and that's this. Because you are a minister. We have this weird thing that we do in churches where we create classes. We don't do it out loud. It's not, re- well, sometimes it's on paper. But we create these classes, that there are some in the church who are called to ministry and some in the church who are not called to ministry. And there are some in the church who are gifted for ministry and some in the church who are not gifted for ministry. And that people like me who preach and stand on stages with microphones on my face are somehow more of a minister than others. And that is completely not the, the New Testament vision of the church at all. It is so clear You, me, together, in the same way, at the same level, with the same value, are ministers. We have been called to dispense Christ to the people around us. Literally be the the body of Christ. And that is all of us. Not one of us more than the other. I I want to give you two scriptures for us to look at. Let's start in Ephesians chapter 4. Starting in 
start in verse, I'm just going to read uh, two verses, verses 11 and 12. Paul's instructing a church in Ephesus, right? And, and listen what he says to the church. He says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers. So just think, he has given these specific leaders in the church to do a particular work. What is that work? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Okay, when the Bible used the word saint, okay, it does not mean special class of Christian. All right. When the Bible uses the word saint, it means all who are in Christ. Like if you trust in Jesus, if you follow Jesus, you are a saint. You know why? Because you're holy. You know why? Because Jesus is holy. And he has given you his righteousness. So you are called saint. And so look what it says. These leaders were given to the church, right? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of of ministry. You are a minister. My job is to equip you in your ministry, not to do all of the ministry. And what is the kind of ministry you have been called to, verse 12? For building up the body of Christ. Now, if you keep reading there in chapter 4, it's going to explain what it means by building up the body of Christ. But I just want you to stop there and see the text that you are a minister to this church. Or if you're visiting, or this isn't your home church, whatever your home church, you're a minister to that church. And the calling behind your ministry is to build up the church, to minister the compassion and lordship of Christ in this church. Every one of us. One more text, 2 Corinthians. Hang a left in your Bible, just a couple of pages. Get over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What am I reading? Verses 18 to 20. Paul says, writing to a different church in Corinth, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and look at this, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So again, what is Paul saying? You, me, the body, we are ministers. Now, Ephesians 4 was specifically talking about within the church, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is now talking about to the world around us, to our neighbors, to everyone, that we have been entrusted this message of reconciliation, the compassion of Christ, and we are called to minister, dispense that to people around us. It goes as far as to say we're ambassadors for Christ. Like the imagery of you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, all right, and so you now exist at an embassy that represents that kingdom in a foreign land, and your job is to represent that kingdom to everybody in that foreign land. Like that's the imagery Paul is using. You're an ambassador for Christ. You've been given a ministry within the church and outside the church. And what I want us to see this morning is that ministry requires Christ-like character. Ministry requires Christ-like character. Why? Because the very thing that we are called to minister to others around us 
is the compassion and the lordship of Christ. And if we are not at rest in our inner being under the compassion and lordship of Christ, then we will not be able to minister it to one another and to our neighbors. You know, I'll never forget when uh, I was in my young 20s and my wife and I were newly married about a year into marriage and we were living in Dallas, Texas. I had already had a couple of years working for a church under my belt, but I moved to Dallas with my wife and I was, gonna, I was uh, enrolled in seminary to get my master's. So I'm going to school. I'd already been a minister for a couple of years, a professional minister, um, if that's what it is. And I'm now in school for this, right? Studying the Bible and all of these things. And we had the opportunity to take in one of my wife's family members, a cousin of hers, into our house. She was just struggling with a lot, a lot of things going on at home. And so we took her in for her to live with us. And when we invited her to come live in our home, the vision that my wife and I had is that we would minister to her. We would provide a safe place for her to heal, a safe place for her to rest, try to point her to the Lord, see if we could minister who Christ is to her. And so we were going to a great church, and the church was helping us out. And our church offered this particular ministry, um, that called recovery. And so this ministry was to help people who had some specific acute struggles get through those and, and understand how the gospel helps us with that. And so we're like, perfect. She's going to go through recovery. We'll help her go through it. Minister to her will be great. And so she was a little afraid to go through it alone. So we said, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll enroll too. We'll go in. We'll all three do it together. And I thought that I was the minister. See, I was in seminary. I had already been in, in uh, pastoral work at that, by that point in my life. I had preached sermons. I can teach Bible studies. I had a lot of knowledge to minister. I had a lot of knowledge to dispense to someone else. All right. My wife and I, we wanted to serve in the church, so we were at church every Sunday. We uh, led kids' ministry. We did all kinds of things, right? So we had religious activity to minister, to dispense to her. And then we went through this ministry, and it was like the Lord opened up my soul. My, it was maybe the first, I'll say it this way. I think it was the first time that I had space and help to actually see what was going on in my inner being. Like, was I at rest under the compassion of Christ? Did I view Christ as not only someone who has forgiven me of my sin, but now wants to enter into the hard spaces of my life, the sinful spaces of my life? My marriage wasn't good at the time. When I went to church, I said my marriage was fine. When I was in my seminary classes, I said my marriage was fine. My marriage was awful at that point. Go ask Kim. She'll agree. She's in nursery today. It was the first time that I think I had a chance to actually figure out what was going on in my inner being. Other people began to minister, not only the compassion of Christ, but the lordship of Christ to me. 
for compassion of Christ to, to, to help me go. No, it is safe to open up my life, to confess sin, to, to actually share what's going on inside of me, but at the same time for other people to challenge me, to call me to repentance. Because God's word is good and it leads us to life. And so here's the thing. I thought we could minister to her cousin But it wasn't until we began to be at rest under the compassion and lordship of Christ that we were able to really be able to minister to us. (laughs) Actually, if I look back on it, she ministered to us in that time. As ministers called to not only our church family, but also called to the people around us, It requires Christ-like character, being at rest under the lordship and the compassion of Christ. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to call you to this ministry, both in the church and outside the church. But I want to call you to this ministry by challenging you to reflect on if your soul is at rest under the compassion and the lordship of Christ. It's possible you are like me. Man, I've been going to church my whole life. I know the Bible. I know these things. I do all the right things. But maybe you've never given yourself space to go, what's going on on the inner being? I want to challenge you to reflect on if your soul is at rest under the compassion and lordship of Christ. I want to call you to the ministry this morning. I want to call you to ministry in your workplace and in your neighborhood. God has sent you there as an ambassador to minister the compassion and lordship of Christ. To not be ashamed of the gospel. To not be ashamed of the things that God says to us in his word and the ways that we live and the ways that our creator is leading us and guiding us and at the same time to be gentle and to be kind and patient, a delight to be around to your neighbors and coworkers. I want to call you to be a person that remembers their name, that is curious about their life and asks really good questions and then follows up on, on other days and asks, hey, you were sharing how that was going on in your life. Just wanted to check how it's going. I'm calling you to a ministry of, of being compassionate to others as Christ has been compassionate to you and then also display the lordship of Christ as you share the hope that is within you. But we will not be able to do that if our inner being is not at rest under the compassion and lordship of Christ. Like, I want to call you to ministry in your marriage. That, that you would be someone who would help lead your family towards righteousness living under the guidance of God's word, submitting to God's ways. Letting the word of God have a place in your home. And I also want to call you to minister the compassion of Christ to your spouse. To be gentle, to be kind, to be patient, to be open to the ways in which you've hurt them, to be open to the ways in which your life and the way that you live it is hard for them to allow there to be honesty in your marriage because we have the compassion of Christ upon us. There's nothing that we need to fear. 
so we can minister that to one another. But we won't be able to do that if we're not rest under his compassion. We won't be able to do that if we're not rest under his lordship. I wanna call you to ministry as a parent, that you would lead your kids to love the word of God, that you would lead your kids boldly in what the word of God says, despite what they learn at school or despite what the culture has to say to them, that you would be a family that says we stand on the truth of God's word, that it's going to endure, but you would also lead with compassion, that when your child tests that, when your child rebels against that, when your child begins to do, work through a process of figuring out what they believe, that you would be compassionate, long-suffering, kind, gentle, that you would display what repentance and humility actually looks like, that you would show them what it looks like to admit when you're wrong, that you would be a safe person to come to when they have questions that you, they know are gonna bother you, that you would minister, the, because that's exactly what Christ has done with us. He's forgiven us, he's come towards us, and now he's like, let's get to work. But we can't do that if we're not at rest under the compassion and the lordship of Christ. Can't do that. I wanna call you to ministry in this church that you would care about the direction of this church, that you would care about this church being a place that holds firm to God's word, submits under the lordship of Christ, that Christ would indeed be the head of this church, but that we would also minister the compassion of Christ to one another, that we would be long-suffering, quick to listen and slow to speak, that we would be people who don't divide over petty things like politics and stuff going on in the culture, that we would be people who stick together, who have resilient relationships, who don't hold grudges and not slander against each other, but we encourage each other and build one another up as we're called to in Ephesians 4, but we will not be able to do that unless we are at rest under the compassion and the lordship of Christ. So what is the state of your inner being? Are you at rest under the compassion and lordship of Christ? So here's what I wanna do this morning. The band, if you guys wanna come back up, you can. I, I want to lead us through just a few moments of reflection on that very question. Like I said, I think we live such busy lives. I mean, our, our schedules are so packed. We never actually carve out space for ourselves to sit in silence and reflect on something like this. So I'm going to do it for you. All right? I'm going to carve it out for you right here, right now. just want to take a few moments, and I want us to reflect on this question. Is my inner being, my soul, at rest under the compassion and the lordship of Christ? So here's what I would like for us to do. If everyone, if you would just kind of close your eyes, you know, get into a position that's just comfortable. Maybe take a deep breath if that helps calm your body and your mind down. I'm gonna give us a few things to reflect on and then just a few moments for you to do that in silence. But let's begin here. Is your inner being at rest 
under the compassion of Christ. You are known by Christ. Every part of you, every moment that you have ever lived, every thought that you have ever had, every struggle, every sin, every evil moment, every way in which you've treated another person poorly. He's been present at every moment that someone else has treated you poorly. He knows your hurts, he knows your fears, he knows your weaknesses, he knows your addictions, he knows the things that snare you, he knows your doubts, he knows the ways in which you even question his very existence. You are known, and yet in that, he has compassion on you. His instinct when he sees you is to move towards you in love and care. And that compassion is gentle. It's patient. It's slow to anger. That compassion led him to go and bleed out on a cross, bearing the wrath of God so that you wouldn't have to. That compassion led him to give you his righteousness forever securing you a place in his kingdom for all of eternity. If you trust in him, you never have to fear that he would remove that love from you. And now that he's done that, he wants to get to work in you because he loves you. He wants to help you conquer that sin. He wants to help you heal from that anger and that hurt. He wants to lead you to more and more certainty of who he is. He wants to give you joy. And my question for us is, do you believe? Do you believe when he says in Matthew 11, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Take a moment and reflect. Are you at rest under the compassion of Christ? Maybe take another deep breath as we continue. Just a few more moments. 
as we ask, is my inner being at rest under the Lordship of Christ? He is creator. He knit you in your mother's womb. He designed your body and your mind and your heart. He helped build in you your passions and gifts, skills. And he designed this world. He's the first one to think of something like joy and peace. And he wants you to have it. And he alone is able to lead us to joy and to peace. And he has given us his word to lead us in that direction. Our God is a good father. A father whose ways are higher than our own ways. He is wiser than we are. And that good father wants to lead us in the way everlasting even when everyone around us thinks that it actually will lead him to death. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 9, says, We have all had earthly fathers who have disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to our Father in heaven and live? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but our Father in heaven, he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. We have a good father who leads us, disciplines us, because he loves us. Is your soul at rest under his lordship? Father, as we close our time of reflection and as we prepare to sing one more time, just want to pray for all of those who in their inner spirit are maybe saying, no, I, I don't feel at rest under these things. Lord, I'm so thankful that they could have that moment with you. And I pray that you would meet them in your kindness and that you would surround them with ministers to lead them in 
resting under your compassion and your lordship. I pray for us as a church, God, that we would be a compassionate place, a gentle place, kind and patient. And that, God, we would also stand firm with your word. God, would you give rest this morning? Pray your spirit would do that work and do it in such ways that we don't even know how to pray for, for those in this room.